It's an honor to be here. Man, what a joy. I, I love this church. Don't you love your church? Come on. It's so good. If you're, you know, here, I know you guys would never do this. You guys are, are, are way beyond this because you know how good you have it. But, you know, sometimes when things are in your life consistently, you can take it for granted and forget how special it is. Can I tell you, not every church uh, has what you have here in Summit Park. This church is unbelievable. And what, what God is doing through you is special. And, uh, man, I, I know you know that, but, man, just... Always be thankful and grateful for what God has given you and blessed you with here. And, uh, man, what a great church. And, and obviously, uh, this team, uh, I've got so many friends, you know, for better part of two decades. Uh, you know, Pastor Zach, I just, I just love Pastor Zach. He's so amazing. And Nathan and, and so many on the team here I, I've known for a, a long time. And, and obviously, Pastor Scott and Jen are unbelievable. Can I just tell you that they are respected and loved? All over this nation, people look to you guys and your church uh, for inspiration, encouragement, and even, e even as examples. And I just want you to know uh, how honored and blessed you are to be, uh, you know, with Summit Park and Pastor Scott and, and Jen. And I, I want you to know that they love you, and uh, they are the best of the best, and they are just full of integrity and character and they could not love you more and believe in the future of Summit Park more than they do. So I know they're all the way in Israel, but let, let's celebrate and, and thank Pastor Scott and Jen. Thank you, guys. It's an honor to be here today. Uh, I've got, you know, I'm from Texas, um, and in Houston, Texas. I've got a beautiful wife. She let me be gone on Mother's Day. Actually, I'm going to rephrase that. She made me be gone on Mother's Day. I don't know if she wanted a nap or something like that, but she's like, no, you got to go. You got to go. You got to go. I want you to do that. We got two beautiful girls uh, and, and went through, uh, you know, a lot of years of infertility and different things, praying for and believing for a lot of hard seasons, but they're both 15 years old. Uh, and I know you're looking at me and going, you're so young. How could you have a 15-year-old? I know that's what you're thinking. Uh, I'm actually a lot older than I look. Uh, <laughs> and uh, anyway, so wh whatever you've walked in here with, I, I just want you to know that God has brought you here to, to encourage you and to speak life uh, into your life. And on this Mother's Day, if you're here today hurting, wh whether you're mom or not, or maybe you're praying to be and wh whatever you're walking through, my prayer is that you will leave uh, just knowing that, that Jesus is on your side, that God's with you. And, uh, and whatever you're, you're in, he he genuinely wants to meet you today. And here's the great thing, is that in the presence of God is where we find everything we need. And so wherever you are, you run to him, not from him. I'd say it like this. God makes miracles out of messes and mistakes. And so if you're here and you've made a mistake, or maybe you didn't make a mistake at all. Maybe mistakes were made all around you and you're uh, having to suffer consequences of someone else's mistake. Or maybe you're just here and you got a mess, man. You got a mess right now with your job or maybe your anxiety and depression or maybe you're just dealing with life. Can, can I just lovingly tell you today, God makes miracles out of messes and mistake. He is not done with you. There is more for you. And I just believe that God has brought you here today to breathe a little life into you. You know, a few years ago, my wife, she used to say, like, my wife doesn't like sports, right? She doesn't like sports at all. I'm a huge sports guy. But my wife is like, hey, look, you watch some of my shows, and I'll watch some sports with you. Or, you know, and she calls them sports games. That's how much she doesn't know sports. <laughs> Come on, don't say sport games. Uh, but, 
but nevertheless, so I start watching HGTV. She's yet to watch a game with me, but that's a whole other story. Um, but I got sucked in. I don't want to lose a man card or anything like that. But, like, have you all ever watched HG, HGTV? It's amazing. Like, I can't even believe I just said that. Uh, you know, but I get sucked into that, and, and you see the renovations they do. I just, I love looking at how ugly the house is and then watching as the renovation takes place, and then all of a sudden it's amazing. Like, I, I, there's so many of them that I love. I'm just sitting there one after another, love it or list it, you know, hometown. You know, I, I just love it all. And so, like, I'm watching them, and, 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 uh, and at the end, it's amazing because right before they unveil the transformation, it's like they unveil this transformation and they cut to commercials. It makes me so mad every time. I know it's coming, but I'm still, like, they, they're like, you, know, you see the reaction, but then all of a sudden, ugh. You know, can I just tell you, whatever you need God to do today, uh, he, God doesn't just renovate your life. He transformed your life, and that's a whole different thing. Look, that's one thing. You may think that's a miracle, what happens to some of those houses. What God wants to do is a miracle in your life. And he wants to transform your life and your relationship and your kids' lives and your future and your retirement. He wants to transform the, the, the struggle and the anxiety and the depression. I, I promise you, God wants to make miracles out of messes and mistakes today. And I want you to turn with me uh, into Mark chapter 2. And we're going to look at, at Mark chapter 2. And there, there's a story here that I want to dive into because when you look at the Bible, uh, you, you see that God is, is a God of miracles. And that which is broken, he restores. That which, which is lost, he finds. And, and, and whatever you're dealing with today, I just know God wants to meet with you and breathe life on you. And so we're going to read in Mark chapter 2, and, and you're, looking at the, you're looking at this, and, and we stumble upon the Bible in this point where Jesus uh, kind of comes into contact with uh, a guy that we know him as the paralytic. Now, maybe you've heard this story before, maybe you haven't, but in Mark chapter 2, I want to walk through this story with you, draw out some principles and truths to encourage you a little bit and show you some things that I believe the Lord gave me to, 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 to kind of feed us today and, and grow us. Uh, and to set the story up, you, you see this paralytic who just believed that Jesus was the answer. And can I tell you, you, you may believe in a lot of things, but if you will believe that Jesus is the answer today, and if you will run to him today, I promise you, you're going to find that he is good, and, and, and he is more than enough. He's not just enough. He's more than enough for you. And so Jesus, we know this, he was born in Bethlehem, but he kind of made his hometown in a place called Capernaum, and so he, he would go back and forth. It was, it was a little bit like his headquarters, so he would run back and forth. He'd go out, do ministry, and come back to Capernaum. And so we find one of these moments where he came back to Capernaum, and, and the crowd began to gather just because he was around, and they just wanted to come see Jesus. And so the, the, you'll hear this in just a moment in the story, but the, the, the house begins to fill up, and, and outside the house fills up. And the houses that in that day were very different than the houses that we have. Like we have brick and, and, and you know, wood houses, brick houses, and really nice places. The, their houses back then were like one room, just stucco style clay style walls in one room and they may separate it somewhat in, inside with a with a curtain or some type of fabric that, to to kind of form off a, a bedroom or form off something like that but by and large it was just one room and then they would utilize the roof 
as their second room. So they would use that to do laundry. So the, the roof wasn't something that you could fall through. It was literally a hard surface like the walls were because people would go up there and they would take naps up there. They would do work up there. They would do laundry up there. And so they utilized the roof as another room of their house. And so this is where we stumble upon this story because Jesus shows up and he starts teaching in a house in Capernaum, and here's where we find it. So if you have your Bible open, Mark chapter uh, 2 and verse 1 is where we'll start. And you can kind of mark this if you want to bookmark it in your phone Bible or your real Bible and chew on it later. I think that'd be great. But Mark chapter 2 says this, a few days later when Jesus again, so this is where he kept going back and forth, again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. And they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left not even outside the door so it wasn't just inside it was outside and the bible says he preached the word to them how many of you know the word of god is what gives us life you know it's the word of god so like if you ever feel dry you need to run to god's word if you ever need uh god if you ever just need god to breathe life into your marriage you, you need to get the word of god inside of you man it, it's living I, I tell my girls all the time it's like taking medicine I, I take the pills in the morning i take the medicine and then i go on and i'm not even thinking about the medicine but the medicine's in me working and can i tell you the word of god you you digest it even in small doses and it does work while you're moving on right it, it's just alive and so then he says hey you preach the word to them and then the bible says some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Now, can we just stop there for just a second? He, they, they weren't carrying him. You're going to find this out later. But they, they actually, this guy was on a mat, a bed. Some translations say bed, some say mat. And, and he had kind of built this. And, and it's like this guy was paralyzed, so they had built this mat here. And he was there, but, but the mat wasn't really, what the mat was was this. The mat was a solution to his problem. In other words, they built the mat to comfort him in his issue. And too often what happens is you and I build mats in beds to be able to live with our problems rather than recognizing that Jesus can heal you from the issue. He can bring hope to your issue. In other words, I'd say it like this. Too often we comfort what's wrong rather than confront what's wrong. And so here this paralyzed guy was, and, and in a lot of ways, you and I are like this paralyzed guy. Now, you're not paralyzed, but, but you and I, we can be paralyzed by fear. We can be paralyzed by anxiety or depression or even addiction. We can be paralyzed by worry. I mean, we can be paralyzed by situations at work or relationships that are broken, and we can be paralyzed in it. And instead of confronting that and taking those to Jesus, too often we build mats and beds to comfort us in the middle of our pain but God never intended you to figure out a way to live with your issue he wants you to take your issue to him so that you can find healing and peace and joy in other words God is for you he is not against you so here we find this moment in the mat was just his solution so that he could live with his problem today I just want to encourage you don't live with your issue. Don't live and accept your problem. Bring it to Jesus and just watch what he will do. Just watch what he will do. 
So we carry on, and, and, and too often we make a bed for it rather than take it. But we find that this paralyzed guy, he, he was being brought to Jesus. And look at this in verse 4. We'll read verse 4 and 5. The Bible says, since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. Now, this was not easy to do. As a matter of fact, the King James and, and Mark, when Mark records the same story, actually, the, the, it translates to say they had to unroof the roof. The roof wasn't straw that they could just separate and lower him through. They had to literally deconstruct the roof. And so it wasn't an easy thing. It says that because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it. They had to dig. They had to work through it and lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, can I just tell you right now, Jesus saw their faith. Come on, he saw it. He didn't hear it. They didn't say one word. They just tried to get as close as they could to Jesus, and that's when the miracle came. Can I tell you, you ain't got to say a whole lot. You just got to try to get close to him. It isn't about what you say. It's about, God, I'm, I'm desperate for you. And so when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven. Can we just stop right there and recognize something? Isn't it really amazing that you can go to Jesus with one issue and problem? And he goes, I know what you want, but I also know what you need. And can I tell you that you may have a need today, but I just believe with all my heart, he's going to meet that need today because I've been praying for you. But he may also intervene on other areas of life that you didn't even know you needed. God's going to bring healing today. The guy was brought to him because he was paralyzed, and the first thing Jesus says is, your sins are forgiven. And then let's skip to verse 11. It says, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Now, I like that. Take your mat, go home. He got up, took his mat, walked out in full view of them all. Talk about a miracle. Can somebody just say amen to that? Right? And then he says, this amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Can I just tell you, I believe God's going to do a miracle today on Mother's Day. And there's some of you moms that have come here, some of you families that are here. Some of you have come here with your mom. You come here for one reason, and God's going to meet you for a different need that you have that you didn't even know you needed. And I just believe with all my heart you're going to leave today, and God's going to fill you up with joy and peace and purpose. And I just believe that, man, people are going to be amazed and go, I've never seen any transformation like that. I've never seen anything like what I'm seeing now. And this is what happened, right? They were paralyzed with doubt, with fear, with what ifs, but now they're not. But what triggered this entire miracle was their faith. Did you, you see that? When Jesus saw their faith, they had faith that, that if they could just touch Jesus, that if they could get close to Jesus, that if they could, just, they, they could just get near him, that everything they needed could be answered like that. In, in other words, they didn't, they didn't struggle with worry and what ifs. They just had faith that Jesus was more than enough. And today, I promise you, there's seasons in your life, and some of you are here today, and you're worrying, you're battling with fear and, and, and anxiety, and you're worried, and, and, and fear has gripped you, and your faith is what you need to tap into. And I think sometimes people tell us that fear is the opposite of faith. You've probably heard that before. But let me just tell you this. Fear is not the opposite of faith. Fear is faith in the wrong thing. 
Fear is nothing but faith in the negative thing that could happen, in nothing's ever gonna come through and go my way. We're never gonna get that promotion. Our marriage is never gonna be healed. Our kids are never gonna... Fear is faith. See, the enemy wants to lie to you and get you to think that you have no faith. Can I tell you, you've got faith. All fear is, is a reworded faith in the wrong thing. You've got faith. And some of you may go, well, I don't have a whole lot of it. Can I just lovingly tell you this? You don't have to have great faith today. You just have to have a little faith in a great God. He's great. You don't have to have a whole lot of faith today. Just have a little bit of faith in a great God. If you've got fear in your life, you've got faith. So start realizing he is your answer and he can do what you can't do. It's like when I take my girls to Chick-fil-A. Y'all ever been to Chick-fil-A? Y'all got Chick-fil-A, right? Yeah. You know, God smiled and gave us Chick-fil-A. It's his gift. So I take my girls to Chick-fil-A and you know, I love it, and, and so we'll pull through the drive-thru, and the girls will get nuggets, you know, and they get the little nuggets and the fries and, and the little kids' meal, you know, and, and they get all that stuff. And me, like, I'm not trying to be bigger than I already am, so I'm like, I can't, I can't get all that fries and that, all that nuggets. I can't do all that. I can't do all I want to do all that, can do all that. And so I just get, you know, salad and grass. You know, I'm just like, do you have any grass? fresh cut clippings you could just put like in a bowl just put it in a plastic bowl I mean whatever you know like if that, I don't care just just like go out in the yard just pull something green throw it in there and I'll eat it and call it superfood if you need to and so like I get my grass and and the girls got their nuggets well you know you're in a car and you just immediately smell it and so I'm like I can't eat the whole thing but what if I just borrowed a fry you know, so I, I got twin girls, so I'm like, Jordan, can I get a fry? Immediately, her answer is, you already guessed it, no. I go, why? These are my fries. Oh, they're your fries. I said, who bought those fries? Me. I said, no, you didn't buy those fries. I bought those fries. They're my fries. And so I'm saying, Avery, okay, can I have a nugget? Just one nugget. You got like six or eight. Can I have one? No. Why can't I not have a nugget? It's my nuggets. I go, is it your nuggets? She said, yes. And I remember one time I got so fed up, I said, you forgot who gave you those nuggets. You forgot who gave you the fries. I gave you those nuggets. I gave you those. You don't even have any money if it wasn't for me. I bought you. And secondly, you forgot what I could do. Not only am I the one that bought you the nuggets, but if you gave me a nugget and you really realized who I am and what I can do, I can loop right back around the drive-thru and I can buy you five boxes of nuggets. Skip that. I can fill this car with nuggets. I could fill it from the bottom to the top, the front to the back. I got a credit card with no limit. If I wanted to, I have 500,000 nuggets in this car and you couldn't even breathe with all the nuggets you could have. You forgot who I am and what I can do. I think it's really easy sometimes we forget that he's in control. 
We forget he's given us our job. He's given us our talents. He's given us our life, our family. He's given us our finances. He's given us our cars and our houses. Can I just tell you, you can trust him. If he gave it to you once, he can keep blessing it and bringing favor on it. And here's the thing. He's got enough power and ability. I think sometimes we forget what God can do. You go, you don't know how broken my marriage is. Well, you're right, I don't. But here's what I do know, how good God is. And the fact that he can restore anything that's broken. He can find anything that's lost. He can fix anything that's going wrong. He can bring joy to any scenario that's only full of sadness. In other words, if you're here today and you need God, I'm here to tell you, you don't forget who he is and put your faith in what he can do. Because anything bigger, your obstacle may be big, but there is nothing bigger than him. In other words, you don't have to have great faith. You just got to have a little faith in a great God. I think it's really easy because sometimes we make it about us and not about him. So I want to pull out a few, a few uh, principles, a few thoughts that I think the Lord wants me to encourage you with today a little bit through this story in Mark chapter 2. So you can keep Mark chapter 2 open or you can just close it and stare at me. I don't care. Like either one. Right, So Mark chapter 2 is where we're going to dive in a little bit and pull some things out of Scripture here. The, the first thing that I believe the Lord showed me to encourage you with is this thought right here. Number one, surround yourself with people who can do what you cannot do. Surround yourself with people who can do what you cannot do. I think the temptation is for you and I in the midst of our crisis, in the midst of our struggle, is to find people who know about the struggle and also struggle and kind of circle up with those people who struggle so that we can all struggle together and make each other feel better about our struggle. But you know what you find about the paralytic guy? He didn't hook up with four other paralyzed guys. He actually hooked his life up with four people who could do what he couldn't do. You know what he couldn't do? Walk. You know what they could do? walk so what the scripture is showing us is if you want to be a victor you want to be an overcomer you want to be have victory in your marriage you need to hook your life up with people who can do what you're struggling to do and maybe you're here today and you're struggling with addiction you need to find four people who have won that battle who, who are living in victory and addiction and you need to hook up with them. That's the reason we have small groups here at Summit Park. That's the reason we have sisterhood events. It's so that you can hook up with people who can encourage you and speak life to you. Because here's the thing. Whatever you hook yourself to will actually take you up or down. And too often, we want to hook ourselves up with paralyzed people just like us because we feel comfortable there. But instead of putting yourself in a paralyzed park, you need to get people around you who will pick you up and bring you to Jesus, who will breathe life and speak scripture over your marriage, who will tell you guys, hey, here's some blind spots that you don't even see, but I'm telling you, you need to make these changes. I'm telling you, you need to get in sisterhood events. I'm telling you, you need to get in small groups. Man, men's events, where are my dogs at? I don't even understand how y'all know to do that. <laughs> Zach told me y'all would start barking if I did that. I didn't believe him. I was up here living in fear. Sorry, I was living in wrong faith. Y'all did it. Y'all barked. Look at y'all. And if you're a guest, you're going, I don't know what just happened. Well, you know what? This is my first time here too. I don't know what just happened, really. Ask somebody who goes here. I don't know. Here's what I do know. Get yourself around people who can do what you can't do. 
If you're struggling in worship, get around some worshipers. If your marriage is struggling, get around some people. Rachel and I have done that. We're seasons where our marriage wasn't going like we wanted. And, 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 and we had to get around other people who, who had successful marriage, been together for decades. And we would take them to dinner. We would go over to their house. We'd invite them over to our house. And we'd just pick their brain. Hey, tell me, what's one thing y'all do consistently that just helps you guys to stay in love, man? What, what are some boundaries y'all have set up that, that really keep y'all together and protect your marriage? In other words, get some people around you who will push you to where you're supposed to go. In other words, you need people who will carry you to your deliverance, not comfort you in your crisis. Now, I love going to Starbucks, going to Chick-fil-A, going there with some friends and, and people that will listen to me, like, complain and even share some of my pain. I love that. But you know what I love more than that? And you need to be people that, you need to have a shoulder for some people. That's what being the body of Christ is all about. I'm not discounting that. But we, you know what you really need is some people who will then go, okay, let me help you. Yeah, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for you for the next two weeks every single morning. I'm putting it on my prayer list right now. Putting it in your Evernote page, right? I, I, I'm, I'm adding you on my, I, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to call you this weekend. I'm going to hold you accountable to what we just talked about. I'm going to text you every day and make sure you're not doing what you shouldn't be doing. In other words, we need people who will push us and carry us and sharpen us like iron, iron sharpening iron, that we push ourselves closer to Jesus. Surround yourself with people who can do what you cannot do. When you look at this story, part of the reason the paralyzed guy found his miracle was because he hooked up with four people that could do what he couldn't do. Where is it in your life that you're struggling, that you have a weakness? that you're going through a hard time, that you feel paralyzed. Find some people in this church that can breathe life on you. Number one, surround yourself with people who can do what you can't do. Number two, real quick, is make sure your desperation drives you in or to the right destination. Make sure your desperation drives you to the right destination. You, you know what you can see when you look at this story is the desperation of the paralyzed guy. He was tired of living in the mat. He was tired of living in where he was. There was a desperation to find life. There was a desperation to find Jesus. There was a desperation there. And because of his desperation, he went to the right destination. Can I just tell you, Jesus is the answer, not an answer. In, in every single one of us in this room, you're going to have seasons of desperation. Desperation for intimacy. Desperation for togetherness. Desperation for success. Desperation for, for joy. You're going to have desperation for a breakthrough in your marriage. Desperation for, for another level in your walk. Desperation for your kids and your future. And your, you're going to have tons of seasons and moments of desperation. You just have to make sure that your desperation drives you to the right destination. Because your desperation, trust me, will drive you somewhere looking for a quick answer. But you don't need just a quick answer. You need the right answer. Desperation. Desperation. See, too often in our desperation, we lean into what we feel. And we start chasing what we well, I don't feel. And we look for something to fill that. Whether it's a, a gallon of ice cream or whether it's I need a vacation. And, and there's nothing wrong with a vacation. Nothing wrong with ice cream. Do it all. But understand, that's not the destination. That's just a little bit of a blessing. The destination is Jesus. Wherever you're hurting, wherever you're desperate for intimacy, listen, it's not a relationship that's going to fill all of your needs. It's not a person. 
It's not another zero on the end of your paycheck. What really brings fulfillment is the destination. It's Jesus. And you got to run to him, not from him. Too often when we get desperate, we run from him. It's like one time I was in Minnesota, and I flew to Minnesota to go to a camp, and me and my daughter Avery, and this is about five years ago, so my daughter was about 10 years old. We fly there, and we were having to drive about two hours, 45 minutes, three hours, just shy of three hours to a place like on the Canadian border in Minnesota. And so they told us, listen, when you fly in to Minneapolis, you need to stop and get whatever because there's going to be a couple of hours there where there's nothing. And so sure enough, I tell her, I said, hey, you need anything before we go? Because we got we kind of got to hurry, and we got a long drive. There's going to be nothing once we leave Minneapolis. She said, I'm fine. And so I said, okay, well, let's keep going. And so we start driving out of Minneapolis. And it wasn't 45 minutes later. There was nothing. There was nothing but barrenness on both sides of the road. There is no life anywhere. It's just nothing but cornfields and grass and, like, hills. And, and, and it's just nothing. There, there's no exits. There's nothing. And then my stomach, I know it's Mother's Day, and I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to anyway. My stomach started percolating, you know, started bubbling a little bit. And I was like, that ain't good. Because it wasn't like I needed a bush or a tree. It wasn't that. It was the other. And so I'm sitting there going, oh, no, this is not good. And so I kind of like scoot up in my seat a little bit. You know you know how you sit back like this trying to change the position, trying to hold anything back that doesn't need to, need to move. And so like I'm holding on to them. And my daughter notices I'm acting weird. I sat straight up. And she's like, Dad, are you okay? I said, yeah. She goes, you're acting weird. I said, no, I'm not. And like this, 15, 20 minutes later, now it's getting serious. And I'm, I'm rocking a little bit, you know, and I'm a little bit of an animated dude, so I'm like rocking, I'm clapping like this. And then that's not helping because that's just working things through. So I'm just locked up. And then so I start punching things. I'm punching the dash on the car. It's a rental car. What do I care? I punch on the steering wheel. I punch on the seat next to me. And my daughter goes, Dad, you got to go to the bathroom. I said, really bad really bad and she goes just pull over and I said no it ain't that and she goes oh you're in trouble I said yeah yeah I'm in trouble it is getting desperate and I'm in trouble and so we drive it for another hour no joke for another hour and I'm like I'm sweating my, I mean my eyes are hurting like I literally want to die I would have chosen death in that moment more than anything else. I don't want to do what I got to do and, and have a mess up in front of my kid. Like, no 10-year-old needs to see the dad like that. And so, like, I'm like, I'm like drugs bus, right? And so, I finally, I see an exit, and it's like five miles, then one mile, and I start to exit. And I kid you not, I see the golden arches of McDonald's, and it's like the glory of heaven shone all around me. And I knew that was, that was it. Well, as I exited, this is no joke. I'm not even making this. I wish I was making this up. I exit, and the exit at the end and the street going to McDonald's, it's barreled off. Shut down, closed down. And I go, Avery, listen to me. I can't. You know how you get closer? And the closer you get, the more desperate it is. And I'm like, I'm like, babe, I, I literally told her, I said, listen, I know you're only 10 years old, but I'm not even going to pull into a parking space. I'm going to pull right up to the door, put it in park, jump out. I just need you to lock the door because the car is going to be running. I ain't doing it. I'm literally, I'm pulling right up and I'm getting out and running. I said, I know, don't tell your mom about this. Okay, don't do it. And so she goes, okay, dad. So I exit, barrels, streets off, 
And, I, and like, I don't know what to do. Is a detour leading somewhere? I don't know how long that's going to be. And so I'm in a rental car, so I just pop the curb. This is true. <laughs> I pop the curb, and I start driving through, like, like this field and go through a ditch. I'm just in a little car. Going, I don't even care. Like, I'm, I'm going through the ditch, and I, make my, I pop the other curb. I cross this street that's also coned off on both sides, barreled off, and I make it into the parking lot of McDonald's, and I pull up to the door. Sure enough, slam that sucker and park. I jump out. I say, stay here, lock the door, and I run in. I go in there. I find the stall. I shut the door, and I'm like, thank you, Lord. <laughs> it was like a miracle. You know, there's, there's very few feelings better than that. And I'm just like, thank you, Jesus. And then... In my relief, I started realizing that on my way into the restroom, I didn't see a urinal. And I knew that's a problem. And so I, I'm like, did I, did I not? I looked down under the stall, in walks three ladies. And I'm like, ugh. I said, I'm going to wait them out. I'm just going to stay in here. I'm just going to wait them out. And then I realized I got a 10-year-old in a running car, not even in a parking space. Like, I'm going to get arrested. You know what? I got to do the walk of shame. These three ladies are in there waiting on the stall. One of the ones that I just used. And they're standing there, and I'm like, oh, God, this is going to be embarrassing. So I just open the door. I walk out. They look at me, and I go, I know. I know, and I'm sorry. I apologize. And I start to walk out the door and I go, do you think y'all could move so I could wash my hands real quick? I wash my hands and I'm like, I run straight to the car and drive off. Can I just tell you that in your desperation, you'll be tempted to go somewhere for the quickest relief, for the quickest moment, for the quickest miracle, for the quickest answer. And sometimes we think the answer is another woman, is another man. We think it's, it's, it's something else that we can, it's an addiction, it's, it's a place, it, 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 it's a substance. And we think it's something. Can I just tell you lovingly? You need to make sure that in your desperation, that your desperation drives you to the right destination. And there is no destination better or, or, or like Jesus himself. There is nothing that can bring fulfillment and joy and peace and breakthrough and healing more than Jesus. In your desperation, do not run from God. Run to him. Give him a shot. See, here's the point. When chasing God becomes a habit, miracles become a lifestyle. And here's the thing. They didn't just come to hear Jesus teach. They could have done that in the streets. They actually came to encounter Jesus. Psalm 63 says, you, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. You've got to recognize that there is going to be a stirring inside of you, that you don't lean to feelings, you lean to faith. And in your desperation, you're going to have a lot of feelings and think that this person and this thing and that job, that that's your answer. No, no, no. You don't live by feelings. You live by faith. Can I tell you, as a pastor, there's a lot of days I don't feel like going to church. It's just true. And there's a lot of days I'm there and I don't feel like worshiping. But in those moments, I do not let feelings grab the steering wheel of my life. I let my faith dictate my actions, my choices, my weekend, my nights, and my relationship. Faith dictates that. 
feelings get to sit in the back seat and go along for the ride. And here's the thing, your feelings will follow your faith. I don't worship when I feel God. I worship and then I feel God. Some of you are waiting to feel it to live right. No, no, no. You live according to faith and your feelings will follow. So make sure your desperation, your desperation drives you to the right destination. And then know this, and I think this is huge because he said pick up your mat and walk out. Take up your mat, take up your mat and go home. And I thought about that. Why does he have to take the mat? If I was a paralyzed man, I would leave the mat right there. I won't take the mat. And here's what I feel like the Lord showed me. That which used to hold him, that solution that was man-made, that thing that he used to comfort his issues has now become his testimony. Jesus said, pick up that old thing, that addiction. Pick it up and walk out and say, look how good God is. I don't need this anymore. This thing doesn't have a hold on me. Can I tell you that your relationship with God will always change your relationship with your mat. Whatever you've built in your life to escape, to find, to find joy in feelings, whatever you've built to run to, your relationship with God will change your relationship with your mat. And then number three, real quick. I'm going to give you these last two real fast. Number three, believe in the miracle and not in the obstacle. When I look at this story, there's so many points where the story only gets more difficult. It was crowded inside and outside. There was obstacles. And they had to choose, do I just turn around and go home? Or do I keep pressing forward? And then they get to the wall, and there was no wide staircase or elevator like we have now. There was a, a, a ladder straight up. Well, a paralyzed man can't do that. They had to figure out how four people are going to carry a paralyzed guy up a ladder. Then they get to the top, and the, the roof is solid. Nothing but obstacle after obstacle. And the closer they get to Jesus, I want you to recognize the more difficult the obstacle becomes. And eventually, they have to figure out a way to deconstruct the roof. Now, they could have been going, well, I thought this was going to be the answer. I thought showing up on a Sunday was going to fix everything. I thought this was going to do this. I mean, I thought that if I gave a tithe check once, that it would fix everything. And, and yet, instead of allowing the obstacles to birth doubt in them, they had to continually see that if I could just get to Jesus, I just need to keep pressing into him. In other words, doubt always sees the obstacles. Faith always sees the way. So the reality is a lot of us in this room are going through some very difficult times. And here's what I want to tell you. You're like, I thought if I gave God a shot that I wouldn't struggle. Can I tell you that John 16 verse 33 says, in this world you will have trouble. Trouble is, it does not... It does not look at one, whether they know God or not, and, and it's together. In this world, you're going to have trouble. But here's, here's the victory for you today. Jesus says, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. In other words, you, you've got to recognize that in the midst of your issues and struggles and addictions, that Jesus is right there, and he wants to help you. See, faith sees opportunities in the midst of the obstacles, even when they're not obvious. And here's what I want to encourage you with. And I think this is just so big, is I know that it's hard. I know that it's difficult. 
I know there's obstacles. I know there's reasons why you can't tithe, why you can't press in and get involved in a sisterhood event, why you can't go to a small group, why you can't be faithful on a Sunday. There's a lot of reasons to that. I get it. But I'm telling you, you want breakthrough? Keep pressing through the obstacles that says stop and keep finding a way to make Jesus the center of your family, the center of your marriage, the center of your life. See, the closer you get to the miracle, the more difficult things often get. And as the band comes today, let me give you the fourth thought real fast. Do all you can in the natural so God will do all he can in the super. Do all you can in the natural so that God will do all he can in the super. Look at this story. They had to show up to the house. Jesus didn't. They had to press through the crowd. Jesus didn't. They had to figure out a way to get to the house. Jesus didn't. They had to figure out a way to get up a ladder with a paralyzed guy. Jesus didn't have to do that. They had to figure out a way to dig through a roof that was impossible to dig through. Jesus didn't have to do that. They had to figure out a way to lower the guy down through a hole to get to Jesus. Jesus didn't have to do that. In other words, they constantly had steps they had to take in the natural to get them closer to Jesus. And then Jesus could bring the super. See, we all want the supernatural to take place in our marriage, and our job, and our future. But can I just tell you, God's job is the super. You're in our job. Our job is the natural. That means open your Bible. Start getting a Bible reading plan in your life, man. Get God's word. Look, start with three minutes, five minutes a day reading God's word, praying. Get your family in church. Get your students to youth, man. Get them in small group. Man, get here. I'm telling you, some of the natural steps, when it partners with what God can do, will bring the supernatural in your life. And sometimes we're like, well, five minutes reading God's word a day, that's not very spiritual. Well, I don't know. I mean, maybe not. But it's five minutes a day in God's word is better than zero minutes a day in God's word. Get it in there and just begin to allow God to do what only God can do. Faith. Put your faith in him today. He's going to meet you right where you are. Faith is not just knowing God can. It's trusting with your life that God will.